everyone, and welcome to episode 93 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we'll be continuing our recap of The Dawn of Yang Chen by FCE with chapters 13 through 16. Now, in this episode, you can obviously expect full spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and of course, potential spoilers for both Kyoshi novels. Now that spiel's over. How are we doing today, Andre? Um, doing pretty good, doing pretty good, trying to get back into the the swing of things now that um Pippin is over. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out a a new routine, a better routine, because everything was just kind of crazy like these past three months. But um but yeah, doing good. Me and Chris went to um Target this past weekend or Labor Day Labor Day mm-hmm. to get some cute decorations for the apartment for fall. We got a lot of cool like candles and uh you know me I love the Max uh the Maxwell <laughs> the wax melts. Um we went uh we found this really really good smelling one called Kona Coffee and it smells like like a caramel latte almost mm-hmm. and we have one out in the main, like, kind of living area that we have now retreated to once more now, now that we had this new couch. Um, and we, uh, there's one actually right next to my desk. And that's just, it's just been going nonstop. We're, we're just, like, obsessed with it. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, so we're we're welcoming fall. Um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think most people, most listeners, follow me on my personal Instagram. But um, a friend of mine, who, who's not actually a friend of mine, she's a friend, but she's my uh, dad's current girlfriend. I say current, like he's like stringing along like seven girlfriends in like dad's the span slut. of a year or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've been they've been together for like oh like two years now, two or three years. Um, she opened up her own small business, brick and mortar, this past weekend. Wow. Um, it's called the Purple Door, and it's a um metaphysical and spiritual gift shop, which I love because it kind of ties into what we're going to be doing on After Hour tonight. I'm excited. Um, but I'm really proud of her. I was when I was still living with my dad. Um, she was still in the process of getting like the business license and. Um, hashing out some ideas and um, Chris helped her like get some like funding uh, for the store and so we've been kind of like seeing everything happen like from the get-go and we got to finally see um, the culmination of that this past weekend so that was really cool the minute she gets an online store going I will let y'all know because she has some really 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 cool stuff my favorite thing that I got which is now on my desk right now and I don't know if I'll be able to show y'all but it's this mushroom salt lamp and it's so cute and it's like just the perfect amount of like ambient lighting that i wanted on my desk nice. and it's just like one of my favorite things now because it's just it's just so cute and like woodsy i love it that's awesome and we got a bunch we got a bunch of different crystals um chris got like this giant like sailor moon bag that's really cute and um the whole time we were out this past weekend everyone kept stopping him and asking where he got the bag and we were like oh yeah the purple door it's over here you can go go and see our friend's store like it's really cool um and she had a really great opening weekend too so so yeah it's been pretty eventful but i'm I'm super proud of her oh that's amazing yes please keep yeah. me the loop on any online shop stuff but also i really need to stop spending money so <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe don't tell me uh, <laughs> a delicate balance yeah because i got my hair colored this weekend i don't know if you can tell on the zoom recording but oh i my can hair's t- been oh, yeah. re- 
re-red. Uh, <laughs> so my hair is more red now, which is awesome. And I got a tattoo. So two very expensive things this weekend. Uh, what what tattoo did you get? So it's from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And I'm not wearing pants right now, but I'm wearing underwear. So it's fine. But like, it's this one right here. It's the face. Uh-huh. So um, if anyone's Pretty a cool. fan of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, it is the tattoo that she has at the end of the movie. Um, I got nice. it because I want to get like a line of like cult classic movies going down my leg for like different like icons of it. So I have the Rocky Horror lips. And now I have mm-hmm. the Hedwig tattoo. Um, and like one of the big themes of the movie is Hedwig and, you know, the audience too, kind of finding that you don't need someone to make yourself feel whole, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the tattoo originally is split in two kind of like the Plato's story of like you know people used to be two people glued up back to back and the gods separated us and you know love is us trying to find our other half so mm-hmm. her tattoo is originally two faces I guess face split in two and then at the end of the movie the tattoo comes together into the face that I have on my leg right now so love yeah love so that. there's you know there's some you know hidden meanings and stuff with it too but it's also just cool to have and I'm excited to add more to the collection but I need money so (laughs) oh yeah yeah. I I had a great weekend though I am just glad I got some more ink on my body you know I mean it's just a great feeling but now I'm planning on getting one soon but I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure what to get my my sister gifted me um the the honor of of getting a tattoo she said i had like a 200 dollars limit so i know i want it to be like bigger than the ones i have now i just don't know of what like i i'm thinking i want to get something like spooky because i love halloween mm-hmm. um but the place i want to get it at like the wait time can be like as long as like a one or two months so i don't know if like by the time i get it like it'll be like november at this point so spooky season is year round if you do it right <laughs> yeah i know but i really wanted one like during like october yeah. so i don't i don't know if i can i got if you. i can find one i have to decide like now though if i want to if i want that to be it but yeah i'm still in the process of of doing that i gotcha yeah i did start getting some halloween fall stuff it's like it's that's i'm not even gonna kid myself i'm gonna say oh it's fall stuff it's not halloween no it's it's halloween stuff I got mm-hmm. Halloween stuff from Marshalls yesterday. Someone needs to keep me out of Marshalls. I got two throw pillows with skulls on them. I love Marshalls. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's such a dangerous place, though. Uh, they got great Halloween mugs, too. I had to keep myself from the mugs. It was physically painful. <laughs> I got two throw pillars, the pillows for my couch. Pillars. pillars. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck am I coming from here? Uh, <laughs> they have, have skulls on them, which is super cool. Uh, I definitely needed some more throw pillows. So I chalked this up to adulting here because I got myself a really cute soap dispenser. It's in the shape of a golden skull. And I think it's super cool. Love. I also have a soap dispenser that's in the shape of a skull. That's <sighs> so cool. And Love I also that. got myself a set of four uh, dish uh, dish towels because I used to have mm-hmm. two and then one of them disappeared and the other one's looking a little worse for wear. So I got a set of four <laughs> And they have spider nice. webs on them and they're in different colors. So that's, I chalk that all up to adulting money right there. That was an investment into my apartment. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep telling myself. Absolutely. I just keep telling Absolutely. myself that. Uh, <laughs> but it's just- another great place to good to get good, affordable fall Halloween decor is that um, section right at the front of every Target. You know which one? That's like the one dollar, three dollar, five dollar mm. stuff. Oh my god! I got pillows. I got little like glass little pumpkins. They got really cool. 
um, decor. You can get like spider webs if you want to go full on spooky. Oh, don't um, tell me so these yeah. things. Stop telling me things I should buy. I'm trying to be <laughs> smart with my money. I am not great with that. <laughs> our our target around here, we were disappointed because we kept we keep seeing all over TikTok the Halloween sections at these other targets. Mm-hmm. I don't know where, but they're like filled to the brim with Halloween stuff, and our targets still have the back to school section. Boo. back there that's, they don't have any halloween stuff that's out. homophobic i was like yeah we apart from like the the section at the front of the store and like some scattered like pillows and blankets that are like faintly halloween themed we didn't find anything they had the candy out but they didn't have any of the decor out Boo. so we're gonna have to go back closer to the end of the month yeah i guess because we at, we asked a worker and they said yeah we'll be putting that stuff out the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. so Yes. Anyway, spooky season is on, is pretty much upon us. Let's be honest, but we're right now with oh, my yes. Rocky Horror Cast. We're gearing up for Halloween season because that is our busiest time. We have a show almost every weekend in October, so uh, come see us if you're in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, it's we're gonna we're gonna, I'm gonna sleep through November probably, uh, yeah. but it's gonna be so much fun. Like the energy at Halloween, like October shows is just unlike any other time of year, except for maybe Pride. Uh, I'm excited to actually watch Rocky Horror this October. <laughs> yes, we're gonna we're gonna put we're putting together a list of movies, and we're gonna put them to a random number generator. So we're gonna watch a spooky movie, hopefully that. every night. I don't know if it'll happen, but I will definitely be watching Rocky Horror Good. next month. Good. <laughs> and then next time we gotta arrange a trip or something where you like come see the either go like go to Pittsburgh and see Rocky or. Find a shadow cast in your area and go because like everyone out there, yeah, I'd love to. Who lives within a certain you know a, a distance of like going to a shadow cast? Go see a shadow cast this hall, you know, this Halloween mm-hmm. season. That is one of the best ways to do Halloween. Dress up as slutty or as weird as you want. You get to buy a prop bag and throw stuff at this. You know, get to throw things. You get to yell things. Like it is so much fun. So much fun. Just it's, don't show up wasted. It's funny because <laughs> oh yeah. That goes for anything. Yeah. Um, it, it is funny, though, because I do remember my f- literally my first exposure to that was when I was a freshman in high school and me and the family were watching The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I remember my dad, who was slightly homophobic at the time, being like, why are these kids dressed like that? That is so inappropriate. <laughs> and I remember being like, yeah it's weird meanwhile i was like like secretly enjoying it the whole time <laughs> so fun fact about that because perks of being a wallflower takes place in pittsburgh that is the cast oh does it yes so that is the cast that the cast that's performing you could actually see members of my cast in the audience as extras for that scene and oh, shut up. they filmed the scenes outside the hollywood theater and the indoor shots of the performances that was all the theater that I perform at now. That's so cool. Like the dressing room definitely is not ours though. That is too nice. <laughs> Way too nice for ours. That was filmed on a studio lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a studio lot. That's so cool. But yes. So like, you know, little like high schooler, middle schooler me who was obsessed with perks and a wallflower and Rocky through perks. Like it's just full circle moments. So yes, it's just full a, circle. it's a big thing for me right now. It's just thinking about that. So yes, fun facts, you know. <laughs> that's super cool oh my goodness ah, i could go we get we should we should honestly get that's another podcast of just us talking about spooky stuff <laughs> yeah oh um we don't have any news to report this week so let's go straight into our main discussion for the next four chapters of the donnie yang chin that means there's gonna be a big influx of news at some point in the next few weeks <laughs> yeah 
yeah, I'm pre- I'm preparing for it. It's been a, a, lo- a little too quiet. Yeah, right. Um. Anyway, so starting with chapter thirteen, the trade, we get some more insight into the story behind Kalyan's disappearance from Bin Air in this first chapter. For anyone who is reading along, Kalyan is Kavik's lost brother. So Kavik gives Chiu the stolen letter. Chiu is his boss, who'd like send him on this mission to go into the Blue Mans where Yang Chen was at. Um, it gives him the letter from Yang Chen's chambers, and we find out that uh, his brother is no longer in the city. Um, and instead of getting a uh, quick reaction from him, we actually flash back to when Kavik and his family actually arrived in Ban Air for the first time. Um, and everything was like hunky-dory, doing all fine, until um, Kalyan's unwillingness to show up for work turned him and his family into pariahs, because... It apparently is is very like frowned upon in this community for people who who don't work because one person can kind of affect the entire community's um, quality of living, as we learn in this chapter. Um, his actions threatened the community's ability to enter and exit the city, which is why Kavak and his family cannot leave. Kalyan took on other work of a more secret nature, probably some more spy stuff. And it did not earn him a favorable reputation amongst his neighbors. And he later bought his family an entire new house from this money that he is not telling his family where he's getting. And he insisted that they live closer to the international district, probably because he got in trouble and like they tried to like threaten to kill his family or something. The The possibilities are endless. Um, and then, you know, just one morning, the bookkeepers, clerks, and assistants uh, were all called to the, called to the shop floor, and they were randomly fired because the their renewals on their contracts were like poorly timed or something of the nature. And Kalyan never came home after that night, so people assumed that it was his fault. Um, it seems like there's a little bit more to this story here that we might learn in later chapters, perhaps, or maybe in the next book. Um, after learning the news that his brother is no longer at the city, Kavik meets with Yang Chen, disguised as an Earth Kingdom citizen in a tea house, which, again, love full-on James Bond spy Kiyoshi, or Kiyoshi Yang Chen. Um, and I will say that the way FCE describes her wig as carefully styled in a pair of upper-class buns with thick impenetrable bangs reaching down over her forehead and eyebrows sounds exactly what Toph's hairstyle looks like. I didn't like. even think of that. And I'm wondering if, because she's dressed as an Earth Kingdom citizen, that this is just kind of a traditional Earth Kingdom hairstyle, which was never really confirmed in the show or comics, the ones that we read. Um, so, but I like that little tie. It's just immediately kind of what I thought of. Hmm. Um, is it bad that I was kind of, well, it's kind of funny because like I've, sometimes when I read it kind of like some things get blurred and mixed up. I think she mentioned something about being like, either like her hair or like her outfit was also kind of mixed with like some of the fire nation uh customs in there i think i'm trying to remember which oh yeah something like that so oh no it is it is it's the hair yeah she says that it's it's all the rage in the the fire nation but i think it was interesting that that hairstyle is paired with her her earth kingdom disguise so what i was picturing and not Toph's hairstyle but i was thinking katara's disguise as sapphire fire with the buns on her head and all that stuff with really thick bangs so that's what i was imagining personally gotcha gotcha (laughs) okay every interpretation is valid yeah absolutely um, but before we move on any further, do you get the feeling that there's probably more to this Kalyan story than what we're getting? For sure. Absolutely. This definitely feels like, you know, just a little like 
tease, you know, just like, okay, he's a little bit, because there's so many threads that are being woven here and all these different mm -hmm. things that are like maybe interconnected, probably interconnected, because let's face it, there's no coincidences in the Avatar universe. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, short answer, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like another Kirk situation where everyone kind of saw him as irresponsible and like abandoning his people mm -hmm. and then it turns out he actually had a very good reason for it, it kind of sounds like it's something similar like this yeah um, to quote the opening credits for Wizards of Beverly Place everything is not what it seems <laughs> sure you could have just said that without quoting no I wanted to I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to real bad okay. I'm feeling chaotic today I don't know okay <laughs> all right uh, it's the spooky vibes it's the spooky vibes absolutely <laughs> We learned that Yang Chen actually knew about Kavik stealing this note from her chambers all along, and she actually purposely falsified this correspondence so she can trace back any leaks to the source, which is so smart. Um, but it does beg the question, it does mention that um, she only alters it by the tiniest detail, um, but an important enough detail to where if she sees the pop-up again, she can trace back where the leak came from. But does this mean that Kalyan is still in the city? Or are we meant to assume that that part is actually true? Because it's kind of unclear. I don't know what to think. Um, yeah, I'm kind of just more of a, just a big question mark over my head right now. And kind of more like a... Hmm. <laughs> I think we're being led to think that that part is actually true only because Kavik did seem to have a very real reaction to the news and it was um confirmed that he did that he and yang chen kind of orchestrated this together giving him the fake note um so i but i guess somehow he didn't know that was in the note i'm not sure it, the whole thing was a little unclear but i guess for right now we'll just work out the assumption that um the part about kalyan not being in the city is actually true mm -hmm. we'll go from yeah. there Yang Chen then reveals to Kavik what she has learned about unanimity and her concern concerns over what this could mean for the stability of the four nations. She gets the sense that this is a massive weapon, but she's not sure of what. And unfortunately, all of her guesses are kind of what we guessed, which can mean that it's not actually those things. So she also guessed in the book that it's maybe a secret of a diplomatic nature or if it's a poison or something, both things that we like kind of both theorize. So now I'm kind of just like, oh, well, I guess it's not that anymore if it turns out. Unless, you know, she's gotten a really good guess, but um, but yeah, she's she just knows that it's a, a massive weapon of some some kind. And Kavik suggests enlisting the help of world leaders from the other nations, but the Avatar doesn't want any one nation to get involved to avoid a power struggle, which is obviously uh, really smart because we know how uh, people can be cough, cough, the Earth Kingdom. Um, not to mention her meeting with the Shangs did not go well. Uh, so she feels talking to the people who could make a real change is a futile effort. Which is just depressing to think about. <laughs> yeah, but it, it tracks with the theme of literally every Avatar story ever. Oh, they go sure. to the people who can make a change and they don't do anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't make it any less depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kavik says he will agree to join her entourage if only she can get them passage out of the city. With the disclaimer that she won't be able to get these until after Kavik, Kavik has completed his mission, she agrees. And before sealing the deal, Yangchen asks him one more time by gripping his wrist to keep a ring on his pulse if he has any underlying motives and whether or not he intends to cross her. 
After several assurances and a basic lie detecting test saying that he won't, Ying Chen said that it'll just have to do for now and toast them to a successful partnership. And that's the end of chapter 13 and 14. Uh, any thoughts before we take a break, Kayla? Nothing I can think of, but I am glad that we're kind of starting to get, you know, the first kind of very gradual unraveling of the threads, you know? I mean, I think one of the things that makes FCE's like storytelling so effective is just the way that like he interweaves all these different mysteries and makes them like, you know, a, not just like, uh, you know, like a plot twist kind of, you know, surprise. Not like he's like trying to sort of, like, you know, yank the rope or something and be surprising for the sake of being surprising. It's, you know, when he comes to, when it comes to like these mysteries being unraveled in the, the books that we've read of his so far, you know, it's. It's interesting to watch these threads turn out, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I am just, I don't say this uh, very often when it comes to reading these days because reading sometimes can be a real, like, you know, it's, it's hard for me to read sometimes, like to read books yeah. and commit to reading it. But like the way that he tells the story, it just with these little tidbits and mysteries and things like that, especially with this espionage style of story, it just, keeps me wanting to read more and that is just a feeling that i haven't really gotten in a while so yeah agree it's interesting without right. being too confusing <laughs> exactly i agree um cool well we're gonna take a quick break and we will see you back here for chapter 15 and chapter 16 of the donnie chen stay tuned hey everyone kayla here Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And we're back with more of our recap of the Donna Yang Chen, starting with chapter 15, the Northern Air Temple. So Kavik gets his new identity and cover story, and he finally gets to leave Bin Air uh, after years. And, you know, through being in connection with the Avatar, he has this kind of power now to leave. And so essentially part of the the method that he gets out of the city is through these, like the sort of alms mission where these shop owners from Ben Air who have these passes to get leave the city, um, they travel out to these uh, villages, to these settlements, where they donate these unsold goods to the air nomads uh, as a means of putting the winds of change and the winds of fortune into their favor, so to speak. You know, kind of, again, showing the, you know, how that the world views air nomads and their spirituality and their holiness and all. Um, so he arrives with the group after a five-day journey to a village in the valley near the Northern Air Temple. Um, and this is like interaction that he has with this young monk child who like kind of unsettles him a little bit. Uh, you know, he buys a fruit pie from him and he's then directed to the hospital. He's, you know, this is like this, I don't know, it almost reminded me of like, have you seen The Matrix? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good, but there's like a little, there's like a kid that's, uh, you know, has a whole like there is no spoon, like philosophical discussion with Neo. And so that's mm-hmm. the kind of vibe that I got from that kid <laughs> a little bit. So watch The Matrix. I, w- I was <laughs> getting Milo vibes, but only because he was described as having an unusually lumpy head. And I feel like that's just how 
I feel they've drawn like below. <laughs> yes, for sure. I feel like I feel like it's like Milo vibes if like he was like more chaotic in the other direction, like a more yeah. controlled, <laughs> yeah. direct chaotic. You know, if that makes sense. Yes. No, it does make okay. sense. Good thing. <laughs> um, so the Avatar is waiting for him at the hospital. And at the hospital, we see Yang Chen using her healing abilities to help these patients. And she's flanked by monks. And, um, you know, she's speaking to the head, head abbot, uh, Sonam, I believe his name is. Um, and Sonam is, like, not really that pleased with Kavik's presence here as a spy in the temple, you know, holy area. And not even in the temple yet, but just she reminds him. But as she's attempting to heal this woman with a stubborn fever, Yang Chen finds a loophole in that, well, technically he hasn't spied for me yet. So he's my guest for all intents and purposes. And then we like, and like, let's face it, we're not exactly in a situation to be picky about people when there's so many other places that out there that are like this, that are so out of, out of balance. Like, we need to fix this mm-hmm. shit. Like, kind of mm-hmm. set those things aside. And Sanam then tells her that, you know, well not going to make things more simple the fact that you're running all these operations uh from the temples you know some people from the other nations are not going to be too happy about that if they find out um but before we can get into you know more of the politics around what yang chen is doing the woman that she's attempting to heal and kind of almost stubbornly attempting to heal because Sanam tells her like look let's move on to the next person it's not that fever is not going to go away anytime soon and the patient then starts having a seizure. Uh, all the patient tubs have been filled. This is really dire situation. And that's when Kavik steps in and the two water bend together to try to save this woman's life. So as far as I'm aware, and please feel free to correct me, but I don't think we've seen anything like this before in Avatar media that we've consumed so far. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no. two waterbenders working together on healing. And the way that the book describes it, um, I'm just going to real quick pull from the book because it's the way it describes is super interesting. Kavik and Yang Chen are working together and, you know, that a common training exercise for groups of waterbenders was to weave a current between them, guiding each other's form and shaping each other's, shaping each other's flow. Water was the most communal element, according to many bending sifus. But partner healing went far beyond the push-pull of sparring. But essentially, it's, it's they describe it as, like, FCE describes it as it's not just, like, sim- a simplicity of sparring. Like, they're working on, like, hey, we try, we're trying to reach her spine now. And, you know, uh, eventually they succeed. The woman's fever goes down. She stops seizing. And... I don't know, it's just a really cool scene, which is how it's described and like how like they envelop her in the water and, you know, they use basic water bending and the simplicity of, you know, basicness and also super complex stuff uh, yeah. to make this happen. Um, and the woman lives. However, uh, she comes to and she then starts asking about her son, who she escaped been heir with, but he's not in the hospital. And Kavik didn't see any trace of him on his way to the village. Uh, you know, the terrain and the weather in the area are dangerous enough, especially alone and especially for a child. So whatever elation he just felt about working together with the Avatar, about using his water being abilities in such an intense way to help someone live, it all kind of comes crashing down in this moment. And the woman's just grabbing at Yang Chen's robes and just begging to know where her son is. And that's where the chapter ends. Um, 
Which moves on to chapter 16, Making Ready. So after Kavik and Yangchen leave the, co- the hospital, we then find out that most people that are in the hospital are refugees from thin air and ha- are being treated for conditions like frostbite, malnutrition, and other conditions that can arise when they're on dangerous terrain that's in the area and the weather and everything. And so the air nomads have been sending these patrols to try to find these stranded people and save them and bring them to mm-hmm. this hospital. And Kavik is obviously like rightfully upset at the situation. And, you know, Yang Chen then says to him that you can't let it get to you. Words that she'd heard more than throughout more than one lifetime. You saved someone's life. You have to hold on to the victories and let go of the defeats or else you'll never sleep again. Which I particularly enjoyed the fact that it referenced like not just something that she's heard as Yang Chen, but the fact that she's heard that saying a million times in different lives, you know, (coughs) the same burdens of being an avatar, of being like a healer, some kind of person that's trying to make changes. Yeah, it it is kind of like the the guiding principle of being an avatar um, that we've seen many avatars learn that there will always be plenty of wins and plenty of losses um and only focusing on the losses is is really difficult um it's hard to dig yourself out yeah it it was at this point though that i was i was just kind of wondering and just relation to yang chen's character and i know we're still pretty early on in the book um but we do get a lot of establishing moments like this one where she seems like a very well-rounded avatar. It seems that she's mastered all the elements um, and she's caught in this like, you know, political scandal of sorts. Um, and I'm just wondering, it's just, it's just an uh, interesting difference from the Kiyoshi novels where it's very apparent from the beginning that Kiyoshi has a lot to, to, learn and has a pretty clear starting point from where her growth begins at this point i'm wondering it is what is the lesson that ying chen is going to have to learn or grow from um and again i know we're still early on in the book but those are some questions that i'm starting to ask now just in terms of like where her character arc is going because i think still up until now it's it's just been a lot of information um, that we get to learn about Ying Chen, including about what we're just about to talk about. Um, her relationship with people, how she deals with with being the avatar while also, you know, conspiring, or not conspiring, but um, having people in her council, you could say, that are, are clearly... Um, untrustworthy. Untrustworthy and, and everything. So it, it seems like that a lot of the growth of her becoming the avatar has happened quote-unquote off screen Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering what the growth is going to be for her character if any i'm interested to see how he handles that that was just a question that i i i was thinking when i read that passage about because that's a pretty that's a pretty hard lesson to learn as an avatar you know that sometimes it takes quite a while for avatars to learn that lesson she's got down um probably even sooner than than 17 so yeah i think also um which is a level of emotional maturity in this with having this kind of realization. However, um, and that was proven right later in the chapter, but when I first read that line, um, you know, my first reaction was very similar of like, wow, it's super emotionally mature. She's definitely a lot more secure in her role as the avatar that we've seen, you know, versus other avatars that we've seen so far. 
But mm-hmm. I think personally, there's a difference between being able to say that in your head and believing it in your heart. And yeah. as we see later in the chapter, sometimes her heart's having a hard time believing what she's saying, you know? Right. Which ties into, at least in my experience with people who are emotionally mature, there is almost always a a theme in emotionally mature people um, that they're not able to handle their own emotions sometimes because they were unfortunately raised or forced to kind of deal with other people's emotions and that's why they seem so emotionally mature but the truth is it's they're not letting themselves feel their emotions and that's why they feel so emotionally mature because they seem stoic and have things under the control but in reality it's just because they're not feeling their emotions um that's my experience so and i think the the end of the chapter it kind of sees you know we see some indication of that that she seems most of the time to be under control uh, but she's just got to let it out sometimes. Yeah, you kind of have to, especially in a role like that. Um, so after she says this, she whistles for her bison and, you know, she and Kavik momentarily distract themselves after the situation with a nice flight on the back of the bison. Um, and this flight was not just like to have fun and distract themselves. This was a test of character. Apparently, her bison doesn't like a lot of her companions in the past and they've all turned out to be spies. Um, but he seems to like Kavik, which gives Yang Chen another reason to trust him. Yeah, that tracks. Like when Zuko showed up, and Appa seemed to like them, like him from the get go. Yeah, that. So they're they're a good they're a good test of character. I mean, it's kind of like you know certain animals, you know, like dogs and cats, who can automatically mm-hmm. like people or don't like people, and they turn out to be right. <laughs> I don't know. I just love seeing that. Um, and after this exhilarating flight, like Kavik, just like his mood just like turns around full 180. Uh, you know, he is just absolutely elated by the flight that just happened. And they which rubs off on, on Yang Chen yes. very noticeably. Yes. Too. Well, Do you think they're setting that FCU setting up some sort of romantic potential between the two of them? I wouldn't be surprised, but I also like I wouldn't roll my eyes at it if it did happen, I think, because mm-hmm. it's pretty slow burn but um i think their relationship is still just as satisfying so far without needing the romantic connection it's like enemies to lovers but it's or i guess it's friends to it'll be friends to lovers yeah. associates to lovers co-workers. <laughs> co-workers to lovers yeah yeah so i don't know i wouldn't be i wouldn't roll my eyes at it i'm not trying to outwardly expect it either i think with this i'm really enjoying just kind of sitting and just watching things happen and just kind of just let the story take me where it takes me, you know? So hence why I've kind of been a little bit breezy about the whole predictions thing this time around. <laughs> yeah, so we then get this chapter is not really plot heavy, but very much character driven. And we get this, you know, some great character moments here between Yang Chen and Kavik where we learned that Jetsun, who's Yang Chen's sister, as referenced earlier in the book, has passed. We don't know why. We don't know when. You know, we don't know how. We don't know when it happened, but it's happened. And, you know, they then start discussing the difference between Yang Chen as the avatar, this, you know, force of nature, the avatar state, the person who fought this titanic spirit versus Yang Chen when she's like on the ground, when she's not playing the role of the avatar. You know, yeah, as, as Kavik describes it, the up here version up here. and the down here version. version. Yeah. Yeah. Which it works. It's a good, it's a pretty aptly yeah. phrased description there. 
Yeah. And, you know, Yang Chen recaps the fight with that gigantic spirit. You know, the deal was struck. Peace was made. Avatar, another day for the Avatar. You know, another chalk, you know, wind, another wind scraped into the chalkboard. Um, but the city that she fought the spirit in was wrecked because of the fight. And, you know, people started, it affected the people who lived there, clearly. People get sick. People, you know, lost sources of food. You know, all of that's horrible things happening. And, you know, from that day, she swore that she'd use any tactic to do what needed to be done. Whether, you know, to coax, cajole, wheedle, whatever. Play the game, essentially, to get to help people. Yeah, essentially anything to prevent something like that happening again yeah which i think is i think is interesting you know she she does not want any collateral damage of any nature yeah you know and we we've seen a couple of times that you know these epic confrontations with the avatar and an enemy can lead to lots of you know collateral damage so i i i really like that as an explanation for why she is much much more intellectually driven and espionage driven to solve these issues before they reach that yeah. level. So, which I think is going to be interesting. Maybe this is where her growth comes from is because I think this uni- unanimity thing is going to escalate into something like that. And maybe she'll have to learn that sometimes that's the only way, mm-hmm. you know, thing conflicts escalate themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, she has a good line where she says, I learned that I can't force people to do the right thing, but I can maneuver them. I can deliver tailored expedient truths, expedient truths that can help them see from a more enlightened perspective. The airbender term is shaped teachings. And, you know, there's also a really interesting line here of Yang Chen had access to so many lives lived to healthy ages, which of them wouldn't be a practice deceiver by the time of their deaths. You know, Avatar, you know, how, how do you pronounce his name again? I keep forgetting. Uh, Sado, right? Who? Uh, yeah, yeah. Avatar Sato alone was a library of intrigue. Mm-hmm. So basically, this isn't the she's not the first Avatar that's had to learn how to do this. Oh yeah, of course. So I thought that was particularly interesting. And again, because she she like you said, she's access to all of these lives since an early age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something we kind of touched on a little bit of like you know how much of a seemingly emotionally mature person she is, and you know. What's the right word for it? Um, I don't know if wise is the right word, but street smart, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it explains a lot about her, clearly. Yeah. Um, Jetson then comes into the conversation again, and Yang Chen says that she doesn't know how her sister would react to her doing what she's doing right now. Kavik then tries to relate to her situation with having an older sibling figure, citing an errand runner he tried to emulate, and we all know exactly who he's talking about. Uh, and so this, you know, they have this great character moment. Their relationship gets stronger. Yang Chen straight up tells him, like, I get, you know, like, they straight up say, like, I trust you more every time that we, like, talk and things like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's exactly what's happening. Uh, I love it. Character shit. Delicious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this lovely moment of connection are then interrupted with the introduction of Pick and Pock, who are Yang Chen's lemurs, who are just a... <laughs> chaotic gremlins of lemurs like love and i love that but apparently they i love that we have an explanation as to why their names are that are pick and pock because that is the sound that people make when like their fur flies into their mouth so, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I, I just love so that funny. little detail. Um, and so there's like a, also like a funny moment where he's like, I didn't know they could fly. And she's like, wait, you threw my lemur off, you know, off the, yeah, you know, we were to throw my lemur off the cliff and you didn't know he could fly. Like, <laughs> that just made me laugh. Um, but yeah, so the moment's distracted with the funny moment. And then we skip to later that night. Pavic can't sleep. You know, he's even dealing with some emotions of his own, feeling like the jealousy of like, you know, the air nomads feeling like their community. And, you know, he even plays with like some of the kids, you know, gives offers a game to some of the kids and he's having a hard time when like they run off and play. He can't watch it. It makes him emotional. So he's having an emotional night. And Yang Chen is too, because he then sees her leap over to the air. Yeah, I think she's over by the air ball field. She jumps off. She doesn't have her glider or her bison. And she's just propelling herself through the air with just her air bending. And it's not just like this is described as like not this dance of grace of self-expression of beauty. This is how she's getting her frustration and anger out. She is literally like propelling herself through these forceful gusts of air, you know, just She's just literally just forcing all of her anger and frustration, tiring herself out. And, you know, it says that she basically didn't take her advice from before. And this is how she's dealing with that. It's one thing to say to, you know, remember all the victories instead of the defeats. And it's very hard to do that. <laughs> Even yeah. the Avatar struggles with it. And that's yeah. where we end the chapter. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to touch on before we move on to our next section? No, just lots of great character moments that we learned um, throughout these four chapters. And I'm excited to see where things go as always. Absolutely. Well, with that note, let's move on into our fandom corner this week. Uh, Of course, this is from Tumblr and I don't unfortunately have the uh, username, but this person writes, May and Zuko get married, obviously. And the first thing they did when they moved into the palace was adopt a cat. She named it her honor simply so she could go around the palace shouting, Zuko, I can't find your honor. Hey, Zuko, do you know what your honor is? Zuko, you have to get your honor down from that tree. Zuko, your honor is terrorizing the turtle ducks again. Headcanon. <laughs> I fucking love this one. <laughs> like This is a fun one I found. Yes. I love it. I love, I love the fun headcanons. They just they just make my cold little dead heart just a little warmer. <laughs> um All right. it's a quick and breezy. Let's move into yeah, let's move into recommendations. Kayla, what do you recommend? Um, I'm not sure if I talked about this artist on the pod before, but I will talk about him again if it's the first time, if it's the second time, whatever, third time. If you know, what's the line from TikTok? It's like he he has a million fans. I'm one of them. If he, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's this uh, musician named Jake Wesley Rogers who is I found out through TikTok, and actually he's been like I don't know if endorse is the right word. Endorse is actually the right word by Elton John. And like okay. he's talked about him on his podcast, like the uh, you know Rocket Man Radio Hour, I think it's what it's called. And like I was, I was gonna ask, he has a podcast, but it's like, I think it's on, it's on, it's on Apple Music. It's this like uh, thing that he has, but I don't have Apple Music, so I don't have access to it. But he, it's on Apple, it's on Apple Music only. Yeah, not even on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I think it's a uh, like it's like if it's video and audio. I think I mean it's oh, video. It's I think okay. it's a video thing too. But I'm not sure. I'm kind of out of touch with Apple Music since I've switched to Spotify. Um, but anywho, uh, Jake Wesley Rogers is the musician. He is, uh, I, I am like, he's just a very talented, like, songwriter, singer. I love his, like, fashion and his makeup. 
Like he kind of reminds me of like a mix of like David Bowie and Elton John. Like his his like awesome costumes like Elton John. His makeup reminds me of David Bowie. He even kind of looks a little bit like him. And his voice like also reminds me of the mix of the two as well. Um, so my favorite songs by him are Dark Bird. Uh, that's one kind of gives me like almost like a Stevie Nicks kind of vibe to it. Uh, and it's a good spookier kind of song. Um, Lavender Forever is definitely a lot more playful and fun. Uh, Middle of Love is probably, I think, his most popular song. Um, but I think my favorite one is Pluto, which is definitely a really good pride anthem. And it's a piano ballad. Like, oh, he has some really good piano ballads. But Jake Wesley Rogers, go check him out. He's fabulous. I will definitely be awesome. borrowing some makeup from makeup looks from him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at his TikTok now. He's also on tour with Panic at the Disco yes, at the moment. Yes, I'm actually just about to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Go check it out. Got good music. Um, I'm going to recommend, and I, I, I think this may at first seem contradictory, but I will explain. So um, with the release of House of the Dragon, uh, me and other people I know are getting back into... Uh, Game of Thrones and everything, and um, TikTok knows that because it's been showing me more Game of Thrones stuff. And I happened across a TikTok of someone who uh, was recommending uh, something called Game of Thrones Season 8 Redux that you can find on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This is essentially a radio play, um, and it is basically a fan fiction of of um basically an alternate retelling of the last season of the show now i know what you're thinking andre you famously have come on the show and said that you hate when people rewrite anything um and you're still correct um the only reason that i decided to even listen to it is because the person who was talking about it was actually part of this production um and was not negatively or positively endorsing the show but more so um spreading the word about this alternate form of fan fiction and i really resonated with that because i feel that a lot of the times when people say um how blah 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 should have got or how i would have wrote this it always comes off as kind of negative and i never really liked that um but i listened to the first two episodes and it is very well produced and uh some of the voice actors are actually like really spot on to some of the original actors from the show. Um, and I'm liking where it's going. It's, it's very um, similar to what's going on in the actual show, just, just different tweaks here and there. I'm sure more will change as, as we get to the ending, but, um, but yeah, that's what I was enjoying this morning. So if anyone is back into the game of Thrones hype, as they're watching the new show, um, this is a great way to kind of, delve back into the world so it's just it's just called game of thrones season eight redux you can search it on apple Podcasts and spotify and it'll show up it's 10 uh episodes and they're all either each about like an hour long as any tv episode would be uh and this is also the first radio play that i've ever listened to so um i'm really enjoying it so yeah definitely check that out if you're interested nice well, if you'd like to stay up to date on what we're doing here at the Avatar Hour, make sure you follow us on TikTok at the Avatar Hour Pod, on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast, and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. And as always, we're looking for more Fandom Corner entries. So if you've got any good ones, whether it's memes, whether it's headcanons, theories, whatever. 
thoughts on an episode that we recorded, you know, contradicting opinions, agreeing opinions. We want to hear it respectfully, of course. Uh, send it our yes. way through our DMs on those platforms that I just mentioned or send us an email at the Avatar Hour podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like some more Avatar Hour in your life, then consider signing up for our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month, you can access our show notes, ad-free editions of our episodes, Zoom recordings, and so much more. If you sign up for our $5 air acolyte level, you also gain access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. We're actually recording a two-parter after we sign off of this episode, where we, we are going to give the characters of Avatar Last Airbender and Legend of Korra um, tarot oracle readings. So, because it's, you know, it's a little spooky, it's a little witchy. Um, so we're getting into the swing of things. But if you'd like to join us, please consider signing up at our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Um, but that is it for this week. We will see you guys next week with the next four chapters of the Dunning Ancient. But until then, my name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. All right. See you later, guys. Bye.